Good morning. This is Donna Tyson with Rivers of Faith on Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. I want to thank all of you for joining us this beautiful Tuesday morning. I love this fall weather. Hope you're enjoying it. So glad you've tuned in with us today. We have a great show today. We're going to be talking about women who have adopted children from other countries and or special needs children. And um, with me on the line this morning, I have Jennifer Hambrick from North Carolina. Jennifer, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And we also have Jennifer's mother, Miss Jean Briggs, who's on the line from Maryland. Jean, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure. Great. Um, well, I'm going to ask you to give me a little overview of your life and, and what you're doing and why you're a guest on this show about adoption for children from other countries. Jennifer, I'm going to start with you. Can you give me an overview of what you're doing right now? Sure. Um, well, as, as Donna said, I'm, I'm Jennifer Hambrick, and... I am married uh, to my high school sweetheart of seven years, and I am a mom to three children. Um, Ella is four. She's a biological child. Um, Eli is three. We just adopted him about two months ago from Ethiopia, and then Ezra is two and a half, and he is also a biological child. Right. So you have a four-year-old a three-year-old, and a two-year-old in your house right now. Yes, it's a little crazy at times. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bowing down. I'm bowing down. I remember those days. And so you're a brand-new adoptive mother. You just adopted Eli from Ethiopia, who is three years old, two months ago, right? Yes, yes. Tell me why in the world, if you have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, you would consider adopting another child. Well, I have been raised in a family that um, adoption was always close to my parents' heart, and I have several, as you'll you'll learn, siblings who are adopted. And so um, I was raised in an environment where adoption was almost just as natural as having a biological sibling. And so it was always close to my heart as well, and um, I always knew it was something... I wanted to do, and um, when I was uh, choosing my husband, I made sure that he was on the same page with me, and um, we always knew it was a matter of of when, never if, and um, the, the time was right, and we started um, our our own personal adoption journey about, about a year ago, and um, we just knew, you know, we had room, and not just our house, but in our hearts for him, and so we acted on that, and uh, here we are with Eli. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But, you know, I think all of us in our hearts have dreamed of adopting a child and being able to give a child love and a home and security, and I just so admire you for taking that dream and and putting it into action. I actually think it's very wise that you do it while you still have young children, so you never get a taste of um, some freedom in there. You know, I think we bunch our children together so that we can have those moments of of total insanity in one period of our life, (laughs) and um, I think it's just marvelous. Now... 
let me talk um, about how you came up with Eli and why you decided on Ethiopia as a country. Who did you go through for your adoption? Um, we use the agency Adoption Advocates International. They are a medium-sized agency based out of uh, Seattle, Washington. Um, now, we live in North Carolina, so obviously that's kind of far, but we just uh, we did our research. Uh, we talked with other adoptive families. Um, we Googled until our fingers uh, were sore, and we prayed about, uh, you know, that God would just lead us to an agency that we felt was ethical and um, lined up with our beliefs. And um, so it was a long process of research. Um, and then in choosing a country, um, we didn't really have any preset um, ideas of which country we wanted to go with. Um, but a lot of international countries have different rules and regulations as far as how old parents have to be, um, there's certain income limits, um, if there are any children in the home. So there's a, there's a lot of criteria you have to meet for different countries. And Ethiopia um, was one that we met all the criteria for, um, as well as we wanted a country that had tremendous need, and there are over... Four million orphans in Ethiopia alone. So that was very influential in choosing that country as well. Um, now, had you ever seen Ela? Had you been to Ethiopia, or did you do, do this through pictures? We had never met Eli when we uh, before we legally became his parents. So that was a le definitely a leap of faith. Uh -huh. um, we had seen uh, when they referred him to us. We saw one picture, and then. Um, after we accepted the referral, we were able to look um, at through several albums, and we we had actually a, probably about 30 or 40 pictures of him, um, which was a huge blessing and is not necessarily common. Um, but we were very blessed to have lots of pictures to kind of b start bonding to him through a picture, even. Well, I want to tell everyone if you go to our uh, Hear Women Talk website, which you're listening through, if you go to the membership page and pull up under the membership page Jennifer Hambrick, she'll be at the top of the page as a new member. Last night, Jennifer posted some absolutely beautiful pictures of her family, of Eli from Ethiopia, and Ella and Ezra, and her husband. Jeremiah, and um, the pictures are just beautiful, and I think it'll give you a good concept of who we're talking to and some of the challenges there. Now, you're two months into this, Jennifer. Um, yes. Give me a one-word description of what the last two months have been. Rollercoaster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and tell me why you use that word. Because uh, I have moments and days where I feel like super mom and a hero, and then I have moments and days where I feel like the worst mom in the world, and like I majorly messed up, and what was I thinking? <laughs> and sometimes I can have those feelings all within a matter of minutes of each other. Absolutely. But I think that's true with any of us when we have young children that age. You know, I can remember when my children were seven, four, and three, and I had those exact same emotions. Um, 
on that. But I think yeah. when you've made a decision to bring in a child, especially from another country, there are going to be some special challenges there. And I know that many of our hearts are touched as we watch the TV programs that show the orphans there as we go on mission trips and see the great need in other countries. All of us have been challenged to say, you know, I think I can make room in my life um, for that child. So I'm going to ask you to be real honest with me about the pros and the cons of that decision, Jennifer. And um, what do you think has been the hardest thing that you've had to deal with in bringing in Eli into your home? Um, honestly, the, I think the hardest has been my emotions toward him. Um, I've had to choose to love Eli. Um, having had two biological children, you know, when they, when you have, when you give birth and they place that baby on your belly, you have that hormonal surge pumping that love. Um, and with Eli, it was a choice to love him, not necessarily a big rush of emotions when we saw him or, um, and feeling somewhat guilty that I didn't feel the way, um, about him than I did towards the other two. Sure. Um, and and that being surprised by that, um, I think that has honestly been my hardest um, challenge uh, these past two months is just coming to grips that my bond with him is different and it's taking going to take time and um, but being having to come to grips with that and being okay with that. You know, Jennifer, I have followed your blog, um, I'm just so impressed with the honesty that you write with. And sometimes it just takes me back how honest you are with those emotions because so many people won't say that. They'll say, oh, we're working through, you know, and all the positive things. But um, I, I just I admire so much your the way that you deal with the guilt and and the surprise that you don't have this instinctive, natural flow of love toward Eli immediately, but that you're choosing, you're making a conscious decision to love him and and trust in God to give you that. So um, I want to tell everybody what your blog is. Can you give us that post, uh, that address, and so that if people would like to follow with that, they could? Yeah, um, you can find us at The Hambrick Family, and that's T-H-E. Hambrick, H-A-M-B-R-I-C-K, family.blogspot.com. Great. So it's the Hambrick family.blogspot.com. And I really encourage you all to check out the pictures here on Hear Women Talk under the membership to follow for Jennifer's blog. If you are indeed going through um, your own difficult times, whether it's with an adopted child or a biological child, Jennifer's honesty is just amazing and often brings a laugh and a tear simultaneously. And um, Jennifer, I always hold you up in prayer after I read it because I know that there are great challenges there along with great joy. I want to talk to you about your your personality because you tell me that you consider yourself to be a control freak and that you really <laughs> thought you were prepared for this. Yeah, I mean, having I have a very, I feel like a unique um advantage in adoption in that I grew up with adopted siblings so I've seen 
adoption from that side of the fence. So I was, you know, this wasn't new to me. And then um, when I make a decision about something, I tend to overkill on the research. And I thought I had read everything, you know, prepared myself as best as possible. But I was still just shocked with the just the the different feelings that I felt, and as prepared as you can be, um, head wise, you can't prepare your heart. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we're going to have to take a short break, Jennifer. We're going to come back and talk about what some of those emotions and challenges are. I want to talk to your mom, Jean, and get a little bit more information about this amazing. Um, family of siblings that you were raised in. So you all stay tuned. We're going to be right back talking about adoption, adopting children from other countries or with special needs. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is Donna Tyson with Rivers of Faith on Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. We have a great show today talking about women who have adopted children from other countries and or special needs children. I'm talking with Jennifer Hambrick, a 29-year-old mother who has two biological children, Ella and Ezra, four and two years old, and two months ago adopted three-year-old Eli from Ethiopia. Um, and we're talking about just the challenges of making the decision to love uh, when that emotion doesn't just flood in naturally. And Jennifer, when you find yourself in that situation where you're questioning um, if you did the right thing or are you going to be strong enough to do this, what do you hold to? What gives you strength in those times? Uh, favorite uh, scripture verse of mine is Psalms 54.4, and it's just simple. It says, surely uh, God is my help. He is the one who sustains me. And I memorized that a long time ago, but it's become so real to me in these last two months that He, God, is the one who's sustaining me, and it's become sort of my mantra in those moments when I get overwhelmed. You are sustaining me. You are sustaining me. And um, really, the faith I have knowing that, you know, I know that God has a heart for adoption and that I acted in obedience and that he always honors that. So just reminding myself of those truths um, is really what has sustained me through these last two months. That's beautiful. Well, I know that there are some extenuating circumstances with Eli. He doesn't speak English, correct? So we have some language barriers. Yes. Yes. How are you handling that? How do you talk to a three-year-old when they don't understand English? Well, three-year-olds are really good at communicating their needs, whether it be through a cry or a grunt or a point or a whine. So I know he needs or wants something. It's figuring out what that is that's been a little challenging but uh he is picking up english very well um he's he's speaking you know i'd say 25 to 50 words right now in english so it's amazing how their little minds are sponges and we have come up with our own ways of communicating we also are doing basic sign language with him just more and all done and please and thank you, those those type of things. And he picked up a lot of signs within those first two weeks, and that's been a lifesaver for us. Great. Now, there are also some health issues with Eli that you weren't aware of prior to adopting him. Tell us about that. 
That's correct. We, um, we, when we were referred him, we, we had a medical history on him, and he's generally healthy. They had made a note about his head being misshapen. Um, but in we and I had mentioned earlier, we had about 40 photos of Eli, and it was not noticeable at all in the photos. Um, but when we first met him, we his head is a definite, um, obvious, misshapen. Um, I don't even know how to, to describe it. Flat on one side, isn't it? Yes, it's flat okay. in the back and in the front in kind of an odd way. Um, so we've had to visit the pediatric neurosurgeon, have had a couple CAT scans. Um, uh, thankfully, we found out that his brain is healthy. There's been no brain damage. That um, the, re- the reason for his head is just the position he was kept in as a baby and as a young toddler, just not being moved around, and it's considered positional. So wow. that, that's a, a good thing. Now we are deciding about cosmetically what to do because it, it is something that would affect the rest, you know his life and wanting to give him the best future we can. And I think you said there are quite a few nightmares and temper tantrums still going on, and he can't yes. tell you where that's coming from. That's right. The first six weeks, um, he would wake up sometimes as much as ten times a night just with these cries and screams and almost like night terrors and uh, it was very hard to console him um, but we have we are working through that and then about at the six week mark the uh, the night terror subsided but then he started throwing tantrums during the day mm. um, and we thought well maybe this is a good sign because he can now be his ugliest around us. He knows that we're not going to leave him and that he can show his uh, his true emotions around us. But we are working through the tantrums, and um, they are starting to be a lot more manageable. We went from probably 10 a day to now maybe one, and we've gone several days in a row, actually, without any tantrums. So, Great. Um, things are well, I hear your mother better. giggling in the background. Jean, I, I think when I tell everybody your story, they're going to understand why you're giggling. Mm-hmm. Um, with us also on the line is Jennifer's mom, Miss Jean Briggs. And Jean, I've heard about you. You are a legend in my mind already. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that you have raised 24 children, um, with only five of those being biological, and that you are in the process of bringing two more into your home from Ghana. Is that right? That's correct. I, I just uh, I salute you. I cannot imagine raising 24 children. And to make that even more amazing, the children are from the ages of 31 years old to the youngest being five. They're from many different countries. What countries do you have them from? Our first adoption was 25 years ago. It was our son, Abraham, from Mexico. Okay. And we then finished our biological family with our son, Benjamin, and then um, have always wanted to adopt and have more children. So we got involved in domestic uh, foster to adopt in two different states, and nothing really ever came about from that. And so we began our international journey of adoption in 2002 and brought home six children in an eight-month period from Russia. 
and took off a few months and then heard of our Luke from Ukraine and adopted 10 children from Ukraine. Um, then we went to Bulgaria and came home Christmas Eve with Andrew and Gracie from Bulgaria. Um, in about April of this year, we heard of a little girl that had a tumor from Ghana, and she stepped us into the continent of Africa. Um, we can't adopt her now, so we have all of our paperwork ready for two children, and they have given us a referral for two more children from Ghana, and we're well into that process. That is simply amazing. And so your children that you have in your home right now that are adopted range what ages? Um, from 20 down to 5. Andrew okay. is our youngest. He's 5, but developmentally he's like a 1-year-old. And I want to tell everyone again that if you go to the membership page on Hear Women Talk, um, you can pull up Jean Briggs' membership. It should be right at the top of the page, and um, you will see these pictures. It is just amazing. There are beautiful pictures of this extended family by the ocean. It actually made me want to cry as I just looked at the love and the diversity because the reality is is that the majority of these children have special needs in addition to being from another country that I understand that there is blindness, cleft palate, polio, heart conditions. Tell me some about why you decided to um, adopt children with special needs. Well, as a child, I always have, I believe the Lord has always given me a love for children that were different or had a special need. Uh, I can remember growing up and having friends that were not the popular kids because they had some medical issue, and I, my heart was always drawn to them. I also knew as a young child that I wanted to adopt and work with orphans. I thought perhaps I would be working over in an orphanage. Um, my older kids tease us that we're not doing that. We're just making our own orphanage at home <laughs> here. But I um, even... My husband and I have been married 33 years, and we dated five years before that. I We were childhood sweethearts, and when I looked at a prospective young teenage boy that I was going to be seeing or spending time with, my first quality that I needed to see in him was that he loved children. So I kind of feel like all of my life I've known I was going to work with orphans. Uh, I was a young Christian. I was I believe the Lord placed this in my heart. Um, and my husband-to-be, uh, our first time together besides a Christian camp was a babysitting job purposely set up by me so I could see how he played with kids when I was <laughs> the age of 14. He passed, and the rest is history. I love um, it. Well, you know, Jean, when I listen to you talk about it, you make it sound so simple. I, I think the closest that I can come to understanding is when I was young, I read Dell Evans' book on Angels Unaware about her adoption of children with special needs. And she honestly believed that they were angels um, placed on the earth to teach us compassion and love and, and wonderful lessons. What do you think of that theory? I would agree with that. I would say for Paul and I... Um most families maybe have one special needs like we have, not the multiple, and a lot of our children actually would not even be alive if we had not adopted them. 
um, and they are ongoing medical needs that they will face um, you know, as they're an adult. The spirit of them is certainly like an angel. I know a lot of families say just from their one child that they would, you know, that they have even given birth to, that they are blessed. And we certainly feel like we get a whole lot more than we are giving to these children. Uh, we describe it kind of as they're the very breath of life to my husband and I. And when we're told we would never be able to adopt, I guess we'll die because we won't have that life that's been coming into us for so many years because they really, um, just to see their spirit, how they overcome, you know, great, great medical histories or horrible dysfunctional families um, is just totally amazing to me. And I feel such a privilege to be a part of God's journey with these orphans. Um, Totally blessed. Regina, I believe there are special crowns in heaven for people like you. I, I, my heart is so full as I listen to you talk about what a privilege it is. I know there have to be challenges there. One of the first things I think of when I think of this many children with so many special needs is the incredible expense involved. Can you talk to me about that? Is there any kind of subsidy that helps you with this um, when they're coming from another country? Are, are all the expenses on your shoulders? Actually, there could be. Um, we don't even, for Abraham, our first child we adopted from Mexico is 27, and he is blind. He suffered a very bad beating as a, a child, like around 18 months old, in his orphanage, and he suffered brain damage as well. So he's not just blind. Um, and he could get even Social Security benefits. We don't even claim those because he's on our insurance plan that my husband has at work. Um, we are totally supportive every need of his that he has. Um, part of the reason we feel um, that we need it to do it this way is so that nobody can say, well, I don't want my tax money going for your kids. Um, we feel like it's the most God-honoring for our family. I'm not against it for anybody else to be able to do that. But for our family, this is kind of what God has called us to. And, and really, we sometimes sit totally amazed at how he does it because I don't know how we afford all these children. You know, an adoption is not a cheap uh, journey to do. It's expensive. Um, and the Ghana adoption could cost us well over thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars $35,000 by the time we're done. Well, we don't have that kind of money, <laughs> but it will be provided. I have no doubt it is a big faith builder for Paul and I that we have done for years. Even my grocery bill is easily, Paul is glad if I'm under 800 a week. Oh, he makes my a good word. salary, but how do we afford that? Um, you know, it's, it's just, it is totally amazing to me. You know, you can give us accolades and, and praises, but it is not us. It is just our obedience to the Lord, and we serve an amazing God. And it just is such a neat thing to see how he provides when you step out in faith, and we certainly have stepped out in faith. You know, um, I've watched a lot of missionaries, and I'm close to some, um, you know, Jim and Debbie are another a good example and I remember sure. talking to them about living on the cutting edge where you have to be have all your provided provisions given to you by God. And that's where kind of my husband and I have placed our life. because um, we can't do this by ourselves. 
I can't love 24 children myself. My love is finite for me. But it's God's love through me that lets me love these children. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful story, Jean. We're going to have to take another short break. I want to come back and learn more about how you run your household with 24 children. Uh, and I want to talk to Jennifer about being raised in that setting. We thank you all for listening. Hope you'll stay tuned to these wonderful stories. We'll be right back with Rivers of Faith. Welcome back. This is Donna Tyson with Rivers of Faith on Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. We have a fascinating show today talking to ladies who have adopted children from other countries or with special needs. And for the first part of the show, we've been talking with Jennifer Hambrick about her recent adoption of a three-year-old Ethiopian boy. And now we're talking to her mother, Miss Jean Briggs, who has raised 24 children. Um, only five were biological. All the rest were from different countries. Uh, she is in the process of bringing two more in from Ghana. And these children all have special needs as well. And um, I want to tell you again that our phone lines are open. You can call into the show and ask questions at 646-652-2071. Again, that number is 646-652-2071. You can go online to our live chat and type questions into me, and I'll be sure and ask our guest about that. And we want to encourage you to join the membership of Hear Women Talk. It's one of the fastest-growing social networks in the country right now. And join my group, The Rivers of Faith. Give me your feedback on these shows, and I'll give you updates about upcoming shows and their topics. Jean, we're going to come back to you for a second. Uh, I, the chat line is abuzz with people who are in awe at how impressed they are that you could possibly raise that many children. Um, one mother, Lynn, says, I'm wiped out after adopting two children. Um, so I want to talk to you about what you do when you get weary. I know that you have a supernatural faith and strength going on there, but what do you do tangibly when you get weary? I probably um, need time by myself. And my husband will give me that time to go out with uh, another daughter for, like, a dinner out. Um, I have, I'll spend time by myself out on the back deck. Um, honestly, I have a few very, like, prayer warrior, uh, older women, actually, and, and their husbands who are very supportive of our family and ministry and I just have to call them and say I'm a little weary now or um, I will even you know call Jennifer and um, say how's it going and just talk to her Um, I'm one of these women like if I was tired when I had my first group of kids Jennifer my our biological and I was shopping and I just was tired and I just put my nose down and smelled my baby that was in my baby carrier but I was refreshed and went on so oftentimes I just sit and hold a child I uh, don't need a whole lot of time I mean obviously I spend time with the Lord um, every day um, and my husband and I are on the same page um, and we're very supportive of each other so if I didn't have really my husband and the Lord um, and then the support group that we've built, our church is very 
supportive in prayer and you know we have had almost 70 surgeries with our children in the last eight years that we adopted the last group of kids um, and I'm talking some major surgeries like open heart and a lot of orthopedics and we have four children with cleft lip and palates um, you know are, they, they support us and it's always better to walk through things like that when you know there's others there Absolutely. Let me ask you about community support because it sounds like from even the grocery bill to helping uh, transport young people back and forth to doctor's appointments to come in and and spend time with these children who are in such need of one-on-one attention, um, do you get a lot of community support? Actually, not from the community. Um, the state of West Virginia is where we live, and they are not a very um, positive state to live with special needs children. Uh-huh. Um, we've, we have two blind children now, um, and I don't anticipate much help in the, the, the Braille or the mobility training that we got when we lived in Virginia or Maryland. Um, we really don't use the community very much because it's just not here in our community. Um, But when I've had a need, to be perfectly honest, um, either for bracing for my children with the orthopedic conditions, we have a daughter who was paralyzed from polio. Um, Our insurance is very weak in the area of bracing, paying for a brace, and they can be quite expensive, several thousand dollars, and she was very, very little. The Lord let me be in a cash register line at Walmart to a person who connected us to Shriners up in Pennsylvania. And uh-huh. for that period of time, Shriners accepted us. Now we use uh, a different facility and a different doctor now, but we needed that. So at that time, that was met by God's provision through this lady that I just happened to be talking to was a cash re- register lady. So I, It's I've never an that. accident, is it? It it's is, always never is. God walking before you. I see That's that great. too many times. Well, Jean, we have a caller who has called in that has a whole different take on this. I want to welcome Donna Hills. Donna, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Donna, I understand that you're a single mom and that you adopted at 43 years old an 11-month-old little girl named Jennifer from China who is now 11 years old. And so you've raised a child from another country as a single mom, correct? Yes, ma'am. Tell me about your experience as you're listening to Jennifer and Jean talk about their experiences. Tell me how yours differs from that. I I, I will tell you I have tremendous admiration for uh, Jennifer being a young mother and adopting. I could not have done that at her age. I was <laughs> not... Uh, I couldn't have. I, I was not as together as she is, and, and I, I have, you know, her, her faith is uh, certainly an inspiration. I, I came to adoption a little differently. When I was eight years old, I had read a book called The Family That Nobody Wanted by uh, Helen Doss, and it was about a minister and his wife who had adopted, I believe it was 12 children the majority from other countries and other cultures, and the majority of which were special needs. And I can remember at eight years old when I read that book, I said to my mother, one day I am going to adopt a child. And uh, life went on, and I just sort of assumed I'd grow up, get married, have a few children, and then adopt. And life didn't exactly work out that way. So um, 
At the age of 39, I had a health crisis, which basically caused me to rethink my entire life, and I sort of thought, well, what am I waiting for? And being single, there are, um, there are limited countries that women can adopt from. Really? So at the time, yes, yes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, 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 I went through Catholic Charities and consequently... Uh, with Catholic Charities, Holt International Children's Services. Mm -hmm. And um, and you requested ahead, specifically um, a healthy female baby, correct? Yes. Yes, okay. I did. And being, being a single parent, I wasn't like adopting, you know, with the expectation, you know, I would, I would have the partner, you know, a husband to help me raise the baby. Mm -hmm. So um, knowing I would have to work, I... Um, you know, decided to stack, as it were, stack the deck in my favor, knowing I would have to return to work. I was working for a large telecommunications company. I was very fortunate in that after I adopted my daughter, I was able to take 13 months off of work. Um, during that 13 months, I did a lot of thinking and praying that God would allow me a way to um, stay home and make a career and make a life. So I could raise my daughter. I didn't want to have to do daycare. And shortly after I returned back to work, the company was actually offering early retirement for people that had earned early out for people who had seniority. And I was able to um, come home and work from home. And I had uh, started my own business and have been working from home ever since. That's great. So I'm there I for my daughter as much as possible. Again, it's very much God going before you. You know, if we take that step oh. of faith, God goes before you and works out the details, but you just have to trust oh. every single day. <laughs> you, you really do. Half the time I think I lay in bed and say the, the one part in the Bible, oh, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief when I have the scary, <laughs> the scary moments. But one, one of the things I held faith uh, fast to during the adoption of my daughter was I looked at uh, Psalm 13, which I always felt held a special promise for me because it said uh, he makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Uh, and that is what I feel God made me, a joyful mother. How beautiful. Jean, have you ever heard of that book, The Family Nobody Wanted, by Helen no. Doss? No, I haven't. Well, I'm thinking that you could write your own book. <laughs> you yeah, have yeah, double that good. many children. <laughs> we'll have to all look that up. Um, Donna, you're talking about you're 54 years old now, and you have an 11-year-old entering into her teenage years. Um, yeah. do, you, do you think there are any special challenges of having a child from another country culturally? You know, actually, no. I, I was um, I adopted Jennifer. I was living in Maryland, and uh, seven and a half years ago, we moved to Florida, to Jacksonville, Florida, which is a wonderful city that is very culturally diverse. And you know, it, it has not been a bit of an issue. I can literally tell you that only twice since we've lived here has Jennifer come home and said, "Someone said to her, well, how come you and your mother don't look alike?" And I, I had always raised Jennifer. I, I always said to Jennifer, some families are formed by birth and some families are formed by adoption. And I, I bet it was God's plan that our family be formed by adoption. So Jennifer has always met that with when, you know, children had said to her when she was younger, you know, why don't you look like your mother? 
she would say, well, no, I don't look like my mother because I was born in China and my mother came over and adopted me. How beautiful. Well, we're going to have to take another short break. Ladies, I'm going to ask all three of you to stay on the line. Listeners, I'm going to ask you to stay on the line with us. We're going to be right back with Rivers of Faith. This is Donna Tyson thanking you for staying on the line with Rivers of Faith. We're on Zeus Radio Network this morning for Hear Women Talk. Our show this morning is talking with women who have adopted children from other countries and are special needs children. It's been a fascinating hour for me to listen to the individual stories. I appreciate so much all of you sharing from your heart and and with the honesty and candor that you've given us about some of the challenges. We only have 10 minutes left in the show, so I'd like to take a moment and, and go to the avenue of the siblings. Jennifer, I understand that, that you were, um, you had three years at, with extended family, right? When when before you left home when your mom started to adopt all the children so how old were you when she started her adoptions sure um i was actually four years old when abraham when abraham came okay um and he's only a year younger than me so okay and i don't even remember life without abraham um and then when i was in college they my parents started adopting sort of the a second round, if you will. Okay. And uh, I had three years at home with with the ones that they had adopted at that time. So, yeah, okay, that's where I got the three years from. So it was the second extended family, the second mm-hmm. group that came in. So you were four years old when the first children were brought in. At any time, did you feel jealous that you had to share your mom and dad and your home and the resources? Not any more than I felt towards my biological siblings. Oh, okay. Good point. <laughs> um, um, you know, I mean, anytime you have a sibling, you have to share your parents and resources and everything. And I never, ever felt resentful um, that the sibling was an adoptive one versus a biological one. Okay. I've shared, I've shared this story um, when I was in college and my parents did the first round of adoptions from Russia. And I can remember being a little bit nervous when we went to pick them up at the airport because I just wasn't sure if I could love them the way I loved my biological siblings. And the moment that Lily stepped off the plane, she was only two at the time, I burst into tears because I instantly loved her. It was, it was that instant rush of, of feelings, and um, I knew that I loved her just like I loved my biological siblings. How beautiful. Day, the same. Now, you have a four-year-old and a two-year-old that you have now brought an adopted child from Ethiopia into. How are Ezra and Ella, uh, Ella adjusting to this? Ella is doing beautifully. She has probably adjusted easiest out of all five of us. She okay. loves Eli, takes him, takes on the role as teacher to him. Um, so she's done great. Um, Ezra, on the other hand, is still deciding if he likes Eli or not. And I think Eli's decided he doesn't like Ezra, but <laughs> they're both boys. <laughs> And they are less than six months apart, so that plays a lot into it. And 
Sure, lots of testosterone. Yeah, Ezra was the baby. He's still the baby, but he did have to share a little bit more attention with with Eli and just his personality and his age. um, He is. They are definitely still working things out. Let me ask you about one other question on that, Jennifer, before I go to your mom. Your relationship with your husband, um, it's got to be great stress bringing in a new baby and the additional emotional issues that that brings in for you personally. Has it? Have you seen any significant change in, in the relationship with your husband because of this adoption? Only in that I feel like it's brought us closer. Um, it's brought us to depths of <laughs> feelings that we never felt before. And when we started this this journey, we agreed that we would never make each other feel guilty for what we were feeling at that moment. And that mm-hmm. we would, you know, we had the opportunity, we would choose grace. You know, show him a little bit of grace. <laughs> he shows me a lot of grace. And um, uh, finding time for each other, you know, maintaining our marriage is a priority, and I think that that has, you know, been key into, you know, keeping our marriage healthy. Great. Jean, as Jennifer's mom, as you watch her go through this adoption and, and try to be the mother that she has asked God to be to um, Eli, what words of advice have you given her? Well, Actually, Eli is our first adopted grandchild, and I think I really, really lost it in the airport. They had about an maybe not even an hour when they flew into Dallas, and we lived by Dallas Airport. That was their first port of entry before they flew home to North Carolina. And I realized, um, you know, I have a daughter who has a heart like her father and I. And that was very emotional for me because, it's such a part of my life, all of my life, to see and watch Jeremiah and Jen, you know, step into the journey that we've been on. And um, then I, I, I knew because our first adoption with Abraham was very hard because of the difference in the bond that Jennifer described. And Jennifer has heard me talk a lot about it. And she would call, and she was very upset, and so was Jeremiah. And I, I knew. I also knew that as time went on, it, it gets better. And I knew that their heart was for obedience. And I said to them, you know, you know that you're called into that. And I've always encouraged my children to journal, and Jennifer does. And I said, um, know that you know that you were called into this, and you return to that, and God will honor you. You may not feel like it's being honoring now, but you will be honored by, by your obedience to adopt Eli. And I have been very blessed to watch them work through their emotions. Um, I've worked through some of those. I think with the multiple adoptions we've done, even my multiple bio-births that I've had, you have different bonds with your children. And, you know, a different bond with each child is okay. You don't have to have the same bond or feeling or emotions for your children all across the board. And, you know, I tried to share that with her, that it's okay to have a different bond. You may always have a different bond. It's okay. You know, it's no less, it's not better, it's just different. 
And, yeah. and that's a key piece of advice for all of us, no matter what we're facing in our challenges, is to face your emotions with honesty, that they are what they are, and to bring them to God and know that he will give you the strength to be able to go through whatever it is um, that you've been called to. Ladies, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed the show today. Jennifer, we will be holding you up in prayer. Thank you again so much for sharing your beautiful story. Miss Jean, I, I'm just amazed. And I, I will be holding you up in prayer as often as well as Jennifer and Donna thank you so much for sharing your story I'll be holding you up in prayer as you go through these teenage years <laughs> thank Jennifer. you so much uh, we thank appreciate you for the it. opportunity Thank you all so much for being with us. Thank you, all of the listeners, for tuning in each week. My prayer every week is that we can bring you a a show with stories that will inspire your heart and remind you that, indeed, you are not walking alone. Today, I thank you again for your support. I ask you to continue to join us. May the rivers of faith carry you gently through life today. God bless.